Welcome to the Street Sessions, the business podcast brought to you by Streets Chartered Accountants. I'm James Pinchbeck, the firm's marketing partner, and I'll be hosting this session in which we will focus on do businesses face an increased cyber risk in light of the Ukraine conflict? I am delighted to be joined for this session by cybersecurity specialists Rick Jones, CEO of Digital X-Raid, and Ollie Pinson-Roxborough, CEO of Bulletproof. I would like to start the episode by saying our thoughts are with all those affected by the conflict in Ukraine. With the risk of Russian state-sponsored cyber attacks on high alert as potential retaliation for the West imposing sanctions in light of their attack on and the invasion of Ukraine, we will be discussing what this may mean for UK businesses and look at what they may need to do to safeguard their organisation. Perhaps I can start, Rick and Ollie, by asking you, do you feel UK businesses faced an increased risk of a cyber terrorism in light of the conflict? Rick, may I start with you? Hi there, yes. Um, so unfortunately, early indicators do suggest that this may be the case. Um, businesses are either being directly targeted or indirectly affected through third-party vendors and suppliers. This could be for a number of reasons centred centered around the conflict, such as um, the customer base or, or the supply base or even location of the headquarters. If, if, if the headquarters are in a country that has certain outspoken uh, allegiances, um, I think this is just standard practice and organisations need to start looking to shore up their cybersecurity um, as one of the major um, impacts for many businesses is, you know, a cyber attack. And given that this is effectively, you know, a war that organisations are now being brought into it indirectly and one of the easiest ways to um, cause devastating consequences to business is through a cyber attack. We're going to see more and more of it because of the conflict between Ukraine and Russia. Thank you. Ollie. I wonder what your experiences are. Uh, how, how are you finding uh, the threat? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's always activity against organisations, right? I mean, it's, it's not something that's new. I mean, we, we monitor regularly our finance customers and see just increased activities in, in general, um, you know, depending on what's kind of happening in the world. Uh, obviously, in this current, current climate, there's, there's obviously going to be retaliation i think you know we'll probably talk a bit more about that a bit later on but certainly if you if you want to disrupt a a, a, um, a country then a good way to do it is to target certain industries and so from my experience you know having worked with financial institutions they tend to be you know the, the first to sort of see both opportunistic and targeted attacks against them specifically because you know for, for both reasons you know one one being that from a financial perspective if a if an opportunistic attacker can get access to you know, a financial institution, for example, then it could lead to a, a huge amount of profit. And from a nation state's perspective, causing disruption to an economy is is one of those kind of crucial elements of any sort of a um, nation nation state based attack. But um, yeah, I would say it's 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 really se sector specific at the moment. I, I wouldn't say that there's going to be you know every single organisation in the UK is going to start being hit. But we um we we monitored a few attacks sort of very early on that suggested that there was just a, a heightened amount of um, reconnaissance, you know, information gathering, general kind of hitting, um, hitting the the UK, uh, but there was more concerted, more directed activity in areas like financial institutions, 
at the time. But like I say, I think the focus um, all, at the moment really is just nation state against nation state. Um, and I'm, again, I'm sure we'll, we'll sort of talk a bit about that in a moment. Thank you. So really what you, I think you're both saying, and I think it's understandable, business should be more concerned or, or should have a heightened level of awareness of the potential risk. Um, so I think you, you've indicated that really it will be state to state, but equally from, if I may, Rick, where, where do you think the, the, the threats will come from? Um, you know, is it a uh, Russian state or is it, uh, um, is it organized crime in, in, in other parts of Russia that may, 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 may make threats uh, of a cyber nature? Yeah, I think, um, I think, in the early in the early stage, it's definitely going to be nation state, nation sponsored attacks. But you know, again, I think we get into that a little bit later with um, with the conversation and some of the questions you've got. But just to touch on it, yes, um, you know, the sanctions are are imposing you know financial constraints to Russia, and they will indefinitely in, in use um, cybercrime as a way to you know increase the purse. So targeting, you know, businesses and holding data at ransom for basically easing the burden of the financial sanctions. I think that's definitely something we're going to see. There's a lot of um, sort of activism or politically motivated attacks where you've got hacking groups that are now um, taking sides, one for a better word, and uh, orchestrating attacks on each other. So these are, you know, all the sort of behaviours that you'd, you'd expect to see. Um, it's, it, it, and I think it's just going to go, you know, go on from there where, you know, the people who are supporting um, different sides, if you want to call them sides, will then be targeted by different, um, you know, um, threat actors. Yeah, Ollie, do, do you feel potential attacks are, are, are both, are they politically motivated? Are they there to, do you think they'll make attacks to raise funds or... Or is it to, or to be too disruptive or just to flex the muscles? What, 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 what will motivate these attacks, do you think? Yeah, I mean, like Rick, Rick mentioned, there, there was a definite call to arms in the community. Um, you know, our, some of our penetration testers were saying that the, the general comms were, you know, help, let's go support um, which, you know, whichever side they wanted to pick at the time. But you could see, you know, comms in, in certain, certain areas saying, let's, let's see what we can do to help support you know either side and so there was this more of a how do we disrupt the the actions uh, of russia um and or you know the, the other as soon as that sort of starts to, to happen and you start to see cyber, cyber attacks against other other states it's the it's the retaliation against that so it's you know uh, people that support the other side doing the same thing call to arms let's let's go and go and go and do what we can to support the actions of of our state so in that case, it's, it's obviously more, I wouldn't say even politically motivated. It's almost like, you know, that they, they're just supporting their country, you know, and, and their, their beliefs. Um, so the, the, the sort of the, the activities there are more likely to be disruptive in nature or um, disinformation. I mean, there was a huge amount of um, information coming out from people like the NCSE um, saying that, that um, SMSs were being sent into Ukraine with disinformation around ATM systems not working and financial um, challenges and all those sorts of things. But ultimately, you know, Ukraine's been under attack, you know, since way, way, way before this, right? I mean, you know, from 2015, I mean, there's, but a lot of those were sort of disruptive, you know, to, to, the, to the country. I mean, there was 
you know, power outages caused by a cyber attacks, you know, in 2015, I think it was, in 2016, there was not Petya, um, which was also a massive attack, which was um, disrupt disruptive, and it was masquerading as sort of ransomware, but the, the reality was just to infect as many machines as possible and just cause mass disruption. Um, 2017, there was things like Bad Rapid that came about, which is also ransomware that was trying to render certain IT operations inaccessible and, and, uh, unop and, and causing, you know, systems to kind of crash and, and cause issues. So most of it, as you can tell from from, from previous history, has tended to be just disruption um, and causing as much disruption or disinformation as possible. And especially now, of course, it's going to be largely, I would imagine, from a state-sponsored activity, um, as much disruption and disinformation towards the, the, the government and, and the people within the area, um, whichever side you're on, to try and cause, you know, the the, uh, you know the, the the I guess the the population to, to sort of stand against whatever's happening. Thank you, uh, and Rick. Uh, uh, Ollie mentioned that, that, that perhaps one of the key targets was financial organisations, and, and you can see uh, uh, probably that's logical on the basis of the the importance of finance, but also the technology systems often in, in, embedded in financial institutions. But do you feel there are more businesses or other businesses that are at risk too? I mean, perhaps in the supply chain in terms of those perhaps supplying either aid or support to Ukraine or you know, military hardware, etc. Do you see any other angles or sectors or business that may be at higher risk? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's going to be very specific businesses and sectors that are targeted, Um because obviously they want to cause you know the biggest and greatest impact, um, obviously on on industrial controls and systems. Um, they want to you know be able to shut systems down. You know you look at only you know a couple of years ago the Colonial Pipeline, where um, literally they were stopping the exportation of of fuel. So there was almost a fuel crisis. So that you know these it's no longer just you know a couple of guys in a room that are. Um, are targeting you know just people to try and put some um some revenue in the back pocket you know these 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 nation state attacks can be you know devastating but i think everyone really i think it should be on everyone's radar you know, it was never a bad time to sort of review cybersecurity and, and the measures that our company has in place and address those gaps in that area um i think in terms of you know the wider business um you know i would say that Predominantly, it's going to be the, the MOD, you know, national critical infrastructure, and, and like Ollie said, you know, the financial institutions are obviously the highest targets. Um, however, small businesses, you know, small to medium businesses that supply into those sectors um, could also be considered to be at risk. There's there's over you know 5.7 million um, small to medium enterprise businesses in the UK. And the government has got, you know, a, a sort of contract spend target that they want to spend, you know, one in every three pounds of, of, of goods and services contracted to, to small business. So this puts a great dependency on, on SMEs and, and effectively really broadens that, that attack vector. So, you know, it's, you know it, it's not realistic that all these businesses that supply into the government um, are going to be at risk. However, it, it, you know, they are system, they are businesses that, that do supply to a majesty central government that will be targeted through supply chain. Um, I mean, the government does obviously try to enforce 
the supply chain by, by um, awarding contracts based on baseline security and making sure that organisations are you know, championing some form of cybersecurity before they can even win um, contracts with, with, with the central government. And you know, we at Digital X-Trade help, you know, help businesses achieve that. But yes, um, I think it's definitely brought other organisations who may be thinking that they're not necessarily going to be targeted and they might not in the short term, but I would say in the longer term, they're probably going to be brought into it, whether they want to be or not. And I suppose with that, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a cyber specialist, but uh, in, in preparing for this, I did reround a bit around the subject. Previously, a, a lot of the cyber attacks have been around corporate information technology, uh, but it is reported there's a growing trend towards focusing on operational technology. Ollie, can I pick up with you on, on what, what is operational te technology? Why might it be targeted? Um, you know, what, what, what is the approach there? Yeah, so um, sort of, um, I guess just really, really quickly, just to touch back on the, the last question as well. I think one of the things that I'm particularly concerned about for small businesses is that it's not necessarily the activities that are coming out of the nation states directly. So, you know, go and target, let's go and target all the SMEs within, within the UK, for example, because the, the economy relies on it. Um, definitely not uh, in the, these early stages. But the challenge could be that um, once the nation state tools and, and uh, techniques that are being used are exposed to the opportunistic attacker, that's where it then becomes a big problem for businesses. Because we saw this what back in uh, you know a few years ago. I can't even think of the trying to think of the, the exact date, but it was it was quite a few years ago. We saw um, uh, the release of uh, some tools used by the NSA. Um, uh, released by somebody called um, Shadow Brokers, which was a, a hacking group, which you know, some argue are linked back to, to Russian state-sponsored activities. And the reason why this was so significant was because that they ex they exposed an exploit called Eternal Blue, which landed up exploiting some, something like 200,000 uh, machines. And so that was really where the problem stemmed from. It wasn't the fact that, that the organizations were directly um, targeted by a nation state activity, the tools that were used by nation states to get leaked and then they start being used um, for monetary gain by the opportunistic attackers. And a similar thing could start happening now, which is that as soon as these tools, techniques that you would only ever see if you were part of a nation state group, um, ordinarily suddenly get exposed to the general general public and the gen general attackers, and that then starts causing issues uh, for us. Um, and a similar thing, you know, to, to uh, has caused outages in 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 what you know in what we're obviously about to talk to, which is that industrial control systems are uh, a big target um, for uh, nation state attackers. And um, OT is essentially um, the 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 tech technologies that are used to manage and monitor these industrial control systems. Now, to give it, I guess, a bit more of a context, industrial control systems are quite broad. Um, it's essentially um, electronics that are used to control all sorts of different systems from sewage management plants to nuclear power plants use um, uh, industrial control systems to manage those environments. And the OT part of it is the uh, technology that's used to sort of manage and configure and, and um, um, provide these, uh, provide the, the, the people that manage these systems with tools to, 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 to control them. And of course, that they, they are the because they control the, the keys to the kingdom, as it were, for these industrial control, control systems, they tend to be the target because if you can get access to those, you can cause all sorts of disruption, clearly. Um, the biggest of these was, uh, again, a few years back, which was Stuxnet, which was um, to try and to cause disruption to 
the Iranian uh, nuclear power plants. And there was uh, essentially a cyber attack on that Iranian power plant, um, which used all sorts of techniques. You know, um, physical access to the buildings was required because these are generally quite well controlled environments. And then equally, there was um, requirements to um, get access to those devices and then put specialist um, specialist configurations on in order for then the attackers to gain access to them. So yeah, it's it's, it's obvious that uh, that these will be um, areas where they will definitely be targeted because of course um, a lot of these OT um, setups uh, have some pretty disruptive target it could be a very disruptive target for those for the attackers to, to go after like I say it really depends on what it is it could be any sort of thing it could be electric, electric um, the electricity um, uh, grid you know uh, there are industrial control systems used to manage those there's um, water filtration systems that, that use it there's you know yeah, um, power, power plants and um, you know and um, Oil, oil suppliers and things like that that use uh, in, industrial control systems to, to, to manage their plants. So, yeah, it could be a fairly significant target if, if you really want to cause some significant disruption to to a, to a country. Oh, thank you. And I suppose, Rick, I mean, that, that, as Ollie said, it's disruption. It's, it would be amazing, you know, if it, it sort of if you can bring down someone, a, a nation's, you know, infrastructure, the impact can be significant. And I know that's something you you would be looking at in terms of other other cyber terrorism risks. Are you seeing any other trends in 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 cyber attacks? I think one of the things that we've um, we've we've sort of seen you know, on on cybercrime forums and, and 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 things like that in terms of um, threat intel is is the conflict has divided um, cyber criminals and um, you know. Publicly, you know, cyber um, cyber groups are coming are, are coming to the front and announcing who they're effectively supporting. You know, Anonymous has, has announced that they will support sort of Ukraine, and by complete contrast to that, you know, Conti, the the ransomware group, have also announced that they'll support Russia. Um, so, I think that where of recent years through through you know some of the active threat intel that we do here at Digital X Red, we've seen that there's been quite a cohesion between some of these um um hacking groups where they're actually sharing information and collaborating to get the best out of um out of of the attack you know quite often it's commerce they're selling information um and now they're going to be using that information effectively against each other so i think that's going to be something that's that's fairly new yeah and uh, really to both of you i mean we, we we've talked about the potential of the uh, a cyber war or, 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 or you know, uh, uh, which sounds a bit like a, a Bond film or something, you know, sort of uh, Steven Spielberg's scientific, you know, science-based film. It, 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 we've talked a lot about uh, here in this conversation about you know, Russia cyber terrorism, but the, the, re, the nation state attacks and uh, organized attacks, how, how might it manifest itself? Or am I being overdramatic in terms of trying to make it sound like a new Bond film? Yeah, we one thing that we're very bad in the cyber industry is is FUD, you know, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And you know, we definitely from a from 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 bulletproof perspective, we always try and stay clear of it because it doesn't really help the ultimate cause for, for businesses, right? I mean, we're ultimately here to try and help businesses protect themselves. And if they're all running around with their hair on fire worrying about um every single piece of intelligence that comes out, um, we're never gonna get any business done. So it's always that balance for businesses, right? To understand what what what's your potential risk? You know, why would you be a target? And I think 
Unfortunately, businesses have gone the complete opposite way in a lot of my experience, um, that they really don't feel they're a target at all. And I think that's the wrong approach. If you sit there thinking, I'm not a target, and I, and I understand the reasoning, right, behind it. You know, maybe you're a, you're a small provider of, I don't know, uh, plumbing equipment or something. Why would anybody want to target your business? Um, but the data shows, um, we, we write a report, security report every year, we collect all our data. And one of the things we do as part of that report is we put um, honeypots out on the internet. And essentially what they're there to do is to bait attackers so that we can research what they're doing to understand what, what it looks like in the real world. You know, wh who's attacking who and why are they attacking people? And what you find is that um, as soon as you put a system on the internet, within about 32 milliseconds or so, you're going to get hit by something. It's going to start scanning you to try and identify what you've got and what you're exposing. And it's opportunistic. And so for businesses out there that are taking that very blinkered approach that I'm not a target, I don't need to worry about this, um, they're going about it the wrong way. Unfortunately, you're always going to be a target as soon as you put something on the internet because it's such a vast attack surface. There's so many opportunities to hack. Attackers will go after you. Now, yes, from a nation state perspective, are we going to see a cyber war? I think it's already been happening. There's even, even Intel coming out this came out this morning about China um, uh, targeting um, certain uh, certain other countries, um, you know, for Chinese espionage against uh, uh, News Corp, for example. Um, so again, you know, there's going to be some sort of political motivation towards that, and some some benefit there. Um, we obviously know, obviously, with the Ukraine stuff, but that's been going on for years anyway, from a cyber perspective. Um, and there's been all sorts of, uh, like I say, examples of that that we can see. Um, the U.S. is now under attack um, because they're, they're seeing their um, uh, government contractors being targeted. They've already um, said that, uh, come out there and said that they believe that between January 20 and 22 and February 2022, that Russian state-sponsored attackers have been targeting uh, defense contractors. And there's examples of where they've managed to successfully gain access to that to their data. Um, and Annoyingly, a lot of this stuff is just, unfortunately, security best practice. Again, even these um, even these government contractors falling foul of things like phishing attacks, um, and very simple to to fix from a cybersecurity perspective. Um, you know, re uh, or remediate um, um, security best practices. You know, if, if people are sort of implementing you know good practice, then these things are a lot harder um, to to achieve. So. I think overall, like I said, I wouldn't want to spread any sort of um, massive concern for businesses in the UK to, to sort of push them into to cybersecurity. But as Rick mentioned, you know, it's always a good there's always it's always a good time to review your cybersecurity because there are it's ever evolving. There's always new attacks, and as we know, you as a business, your focus is not on cybersecurity generally. You're focused on growing your business and doing what you do best. And uh, unfortunately, you know, a lot of the times, security feels like it's kind of getting in the way of that business growth. Um, and you have to make a risk-based decision about how you, uh, 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 how, you, how you deal with that. But like I say, ultimately, you know, everybody needs to be thinking about security and have it front of mind. And there's the basics that just need to get done really well, because then it pushes the problem to the next person who's not doing quite as good a job of getting the basics right. But unfortunately, at the moment, I would say that most businesses just aren't doing the basics very well. Um, and it's, it's evident, you can see it, you know, again, in our security report, you can see that there's there's thousands of opportunities out there to hack systems because people just aren't focused on getting the basics right. I, I think that that neatly runs on to the, the next couple of one to explore, if that's okay with, with you, Rick, is, you know, the, 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 there's, I think there's a quote that uh, um, there's those businesses that have a, had a cyber attack and there's those businesses that don't know they've had a cyber attack because they, they will have been attacked. Um, and, and if we just reflect on, um, you know, the timing of this um, uh, conflict comes at a, 
of a period of unprecedented time with a pandemic where we've seen increased remote working and perhaps to some extent lack of uh, investment in technology and also lack of resources and uh, you know if you look at uh, um, the recruitment market for those engaged in technology uh, technology infrastructure that uh, is being targeted is probably being stretched and businesses have been under pressure so you, you look at it and you go perhaps the risk is even greater you know Ollie, you mentioned there you know risk assessments and there are many businesses that don't even have a risk register, so a cyber cyber attack wouldn't be on the risk register, let alone a, a consideration. You know, Rick, how how do you feel that you know, the current situation is, and, the, and in terms of the vulnerability of businesses at the moment? Yeah, you know, in, obviously, depending the type of business, depending what sector you're in, depending where you are on that cybersecurity maturity ladder, um, will all will determine, you know, what your what what your cyber you know cyber program looks like. But in essence, you know, businesses are, you know, I, I echo and support what Ollie says, you know, businesses are falling foul at um, some of the simplest things, you know, whether that's due to size or cost or, or lack of understanding or monitoring. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of organisations are not, are not, you know, keeping up with, you know, basic cyber hygiene and, and falling foul and becoming, um, you know, victims of cybercrime. With regards to some of the things that we see, at, you know, here at Digital X Radio, you know, there's, there's there's a stigma associated with cybersecurity. It's, it's, it has been an afterthought, and it still is for a lot of businesses, um, unless it's you know pushed or, or mandated through governance um, or supply chain. It's usually something seen as that you know, well, what's the business benefit? What's the return of investment? So building a cybersecurity strategy and implementing a clear return of investment to senior stakeholders that highlights, you know, through reducing our current risk um, ineffectively, you know, effectively, you know, we're saving money through, you know, through loss of reputation damage, loss of contract revenue, loss of, um, of, of, of fines. We're not going to be impacted that. Therefore, there's a direct saving of money. Um, and, you know, there are, a number of things like you know the GDPR that have helped support and push that message that businesses are now getting on board. But cybersecurity shouldn't be looked at as, as a negative thing. You know, cybersecurity, I think in my opinion, dropped a stigma where it, you know, your years ago, your, your security professionals, it was a lot of no, computer says no, and and it was seen as, as something that slowed things down. You know, cybersecurity is a business enabler if implemented correctly. Um, but quite often businesses are not aware or choose to be, you know, follow the ignorance that, well, why would someone target us? Or, you know, or our systems are fine, they're working. So, you know, it's a lack of understanding or, or the drive of, of, of security coming from top down throughout the business, which ultimately leaves them exposed and, and become victims. Sorry, Jojo, I'm just going to say as well, um, I think, you know, from a, from a going back to the kind of pandemic challenges, I mean, how many people had, like you say, how many people had, 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 had a risk register in the first place, but how many people had pandemic on the risk register? How many people had thought that would ever happen? And so I think it's that kind of, you know, again, coming back to that idea of it, it will never happen to me. Um, and, and the risk register is there to, you know, build out an idea of what are all the things that could have a significant in, impact on the business. And of course, you can't ignore now um, more than ever that 
there there is a significant chance that it will have a massive impact on your business and you know the the destructive malware that's been coming out off the back of all of this activities recently um proves that it could significantly damage a business especially if they're not following back best practices again if they're not backing up their systems you know you get a piece of ransomware or some of this um, destructive destructive malware it could take your business offline so i think it is just general good practice and Definitely a lot of the initiatives that the government's coming out with, like Cyber Essentials, Cyber Essentials Plus, obviously they've, they've released something recently about um, managed service providers and making sure that the managed service providers are sort of making sure they um, are are secure and are thinking about cybersecurity because ultimately they see that risk, yeah. like there's risk against the UK businesses and said the biggest risk of to us for a UK business is going to be um, them using a, a managed service provider who hasn't patched their systems for them. And the assumption is from the business, the small business, that um, security is covered because it's not my responsibility anymore because I've offloaded that to an MSP. And so from an organization's perspective, and you know, you've got to make sure that security is still important to you and you, you care about it, you think about cybersecurity, even if you are um, uh, using other organizations that should know better because it's your responsibility ultimately to know whether you're secure or not. And the point of the business labor is more and more businesses are going to be now questioned by the government and are going to be needing to have cyber essentials and have other certifications behind them in order to um, do business with certain other organizations. And if you don't have it, it really does limit your um, your your um, your customer base. So I, I really think that businesses should see it as a massive positive. You know, you go out there and shout about how well you're doing your cybersecurity. Um, and not worry so much about it putting a, a target on your back, more think about the business benefits of it to say we care about security and we are going to secure our systems and you should you should join us. And just quickly coming back to the pandemic um, and the people remove, going remote, my biggest concern is many small businesses had to do that in a rush and they didn't really think uh, too much about how they would go, go about it. And I'm not just talking about the technology investment. That's a big thing. You know, if they've made a technology investment to let people go remote working and they haven't thought about the security aspects of it, even things like Office 365 out of the box aren't necessarily as hardened or as secured as it can be. And so even Microsoft comes out and says they're still being attacked every single day and 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 um, they're obviously monitoring it. But you've got to configure the system securely in order to not get hacked because those providers want to give you as much flexibility uh, as, as they can so that you can configure it how you want it to. But that then leads to potential misconfiguration and getting it wrong. So I still worry that there's a lot of businesses out there um, that haven't thought about that and are really insecure because they haven't gone back and rethought what they're doing with remote working and how they, how they can now secure it. I get it. In the period, you just want to get people back up and running and doing their job. But now I think you should go back and review that um, and just think about it from a security perspective and have you done the right things? Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, businesses have, have through the pandemic have had to, whether they've had one written down or not, but, in, you know, involve business continuity plans to make sure that ultimately the business is functioning. And, you know, I would say that successfully as a nation, we've, we've cut with the pandemic and business has continued, but that has, without a doubt, in, uh, introduce some inherent security flaws that businesses are not addressing because as far as they're concerned in terms of the business function you know they're still trading and we're taking in revenue and it's not until those vulnerabilities have been exposed that then they're looking to sort of shore up their systems and services again so yeah we've 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 coped the pandemic pandemic very well um, businesses are continuing to trade and do business as as you know as they did um, pre-pandemic however we have introduced um, a lot more 
security issues with with invoking sort of I would say non sort of business continuity plans. Those organisations that 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 we know of that they didn't have anything, and they've just literally had people working from home on their own laptops. They've got no BYOD policies. There's no um, no way of you know identifying you know shadow IT or who's actually now creating files or sharing information. So it's definitely brought inherent security risk. And if we make, and I think you, I think it was you, Rick, who mentioned the number of um, small businesses. You know, um, there are there are something like ninety five percent of UK businesses are SMEs with the S of the SME. In a larger organisation, where you, uh, and I think if I'm, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I think my perception is that uh, cyber tends to sit with IT or, or, or technology function. The you know the, the, the chief technical officer, but in smaller organisations where either you you've outsourced some of your IT management or that you don't have that capacity and, and capabilities. How do SMEs and predominantly like the likes of owner-managed businesses um, both deal with cybersecurity and the increased perhaps threat of cyber, cyber terrorism? Um, and, and I suppose that nicely links in, given your kindly talking this morning, about the roles of your respective businesses as well. How do you engage and support um, the, the SME and the, and the owner-managed business? Um, I'll start with you, Ollie, and then come to Rick, if that's all right. Yeah. Sure. Um, no problem. Um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think it comes down to you've got to assess the risk. And I mentioned this earlier, you know, I think it's, you know, why would you be a target is the first question any business should ask themselves and, and then sort of work back from there. And, and I also say to customers, think about where your sensitive data is. The thing that would affect you the most, you know, if it's stolen, stolen data, IP, um, I don't know, there's contracts or um, employee data, you know, you've got to work back from where that stuff is and 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 find a way to secure it all the way um to 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 the to the um to the customer themselves and i, I sort of i guess the the way to kind of think about it is you, you wouldn't um you know you wouldn't use a a cheap padlock um to protect a bank vault which is storing all of your really sensitive information you know you, you put all the, the, the biggest cybersecurity investment and also the physical investment around those systems to make sure that they can't get access but equally on the other side you wouldn't be using a bank vault to secure your your um, your junk mail for example because you don't really care about it so i i always feel like businesses think that they have to cover everything and they think that it's it's the, the investment's just too large and that's not really the case you can be really smart about your cyber investment um, and you can be really smart about how you monitor and protect your systems but so many businesses just aren't doing any sort of monitoring and as i've mentioned before we continually see through our sort of um, the work we do penetration testing and all that sort of stuff that um that organizations you know are finding the vulnerabilities but then not necessarily fixing it which is seems really alien to us of course you know they're paying good money to to have um, us test their security but then they still take the risk on certain vulnerabilities. Now, there's good reasons for it often, you know, it's just they don't have the time to fix it and the vulnerability is not directly exploitable at that time, for example. And so it's pushed to the back of the queue, let's do it next year or let's do it in a couple of months time. And then inevitably it, it, it never happens. And then we, we go around to do testing again and then we find yeah, actually they've still got this, this problem. So it's a lot about prioritization. You know, how do you prioritize and how do you understand your risks? And we focused a lot on that. We, we developed a, a platform called defense.com and it's sort of designed for small businesses to help them to prioritize their cybersecurity strategy to get the most out of their spend. And um, so if you're going to invest in cybersecurity, you want to make sure that you're 
um, you, it's easy to do and it's something that can help you to prioritize your your risks and focus on the ones that are most important to your business and it comes back to again like i say really understanding your business well enough to say these are where i'm really i'm really concerned about this data or i'm really concerned about these systems i'm going to focus on protecting them uh, first and foremost and then i'll work my way out um, um out of the organization and when i get more investment i'll then spend more on sort of protecting some of these other areas and of course the other thing you can't you can't miss at the moment is of course just the the, the the getting the basics right and then training people and i know that's really hard because the people you're trying to train are not experts in cybersecurity and they don't need to be necessarily they just need to know the basics but if you think about this 83 percent of all hacks now um, involve a phishing attack and the re there's a good reason for that because you, the path of least resistance typically lands up becoming a human because it's easier to hack a human than it is in often cases to hack a secure environment. Even in a small business, you know, you, you know, it's it, it's often very hard to get access to these these systems. So just phishing somebody is super straightforward. Give me your password, you're in. You've got some leverage. You're inside the organization with simple information, uh, or potentially at your fingertips. And also you're in that you can use that to broaden your attack, you know, sending an email as if you're reading their emails, understanding how they talk, and then sending an email to somebody inside the, the organization, like an IT um, person, and then and then um, taking that uh, that that leverage and, and using that to, to your advantage through social engineering. So, and then, like I said before, like definitely if you're a small business and you're outsourcing your services to third party organizations, Hold them accountable for cybersecurity, but be aware of it. Don't just assume they're getting it right because they often aren't. Um, a lot of MSSPs still don't um, really fully understand cybersecurity themselves either. Um, so you've got to make sure you you still are responsible for it and you still understand understand uh, what your obligations are. Um, and I think Rick mentioned it, mentioned it earlier, which is a really good point that it's top down, right? And if the business is sitting there saying saying we're not going to invest in cybersecurity, why would anybody else care about it? Because you know they they see it as the leadership doesn't care about it. So I'm not going to go invest any time and try to trying to care about cybersecurity or do training or try and patch these systems because we're, we're more focused on the business because that's what the leadership's suggesting. You, you've got to take it seriously as a leader of a company to, to care about security and compliance. And, and Rick, I suppose the, the, the practical approach here is, I think we've talked about monitoring and, and things like that in, throughout the conversation. Organisations like yours, what sort of support services do you provide? Is it that you, you will monitor on behalf of a client or a customer that their cyber security? Do you, do you go in and say, well, we'll do a, an audit of your, the risk and then, then advise you on how to be more secure or, or where the weaknesses are? How, how, what sort of, if I'm an owner-managed business and I go, I've got, I feel I've got to do something about cyber security, I don't know where to start. We've talked about you know, the risk-based approach, but actually the practical nuts and bolts of the work. Yeah, absolutely. I'll cover that, but just to, just to touch on, on on the last question. Thank um, you. I think James, you, you mentioned that um, you know cybersecurity and and basically technology, and that's a you know that's a it's a, a common misconception that that cybersecurity immediately just equals technology. You know, a a good cybersecurity strategy would include you know process and people. So people processing technology is a well-rounded um, well-rounded sort of security program. And the reason for that is just exactly what Ollie, Ollie, Ollie said, you know, during our red team in, in, in engagements, which is, you know, basically an advanced form of penetration testing. It, we also see that, you know, um, phishing has been one of the most effective ways to gain entry. And a lot of that is down because of they may have some malware, um, you know, anti-malware or, or, or email filtering, which, which is going to try and detect some of the things that we do. But 
you know, unfortunately, Beryl in accounts hasn't done any cybersecurity training. And it's very easy to use social engineering and pick up the phone and, you know, coerce her in sharing information that she shouldn't necessarily share. So it's it's not just technology driven, um, isn't 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 a cybersecurity program. It has to cover, you know, policies, procedures, people, training, the whole lot. And this is one of the things that I think small businesses may find daunting is, you know, they don't know what to do and, 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 and what to take on first. Um, they're not like, you know, an established medium to large size business has got a, a clear security program. So, you know, we'll help that business understand. And, and again, Ollie, you know, pointed out, it's really important that that decision is risk based and quite often, um, an organization doesn't understand the risk that they face. You know, they may be doing some good things in-house. They may be doing vulnerability assessments. They may have an idea of, you know, doing some regular patching and things like that. But the vulnerabilities that they see, they don't actually understand the business impact caused from those vulnerabilities or an attack kill chain and bringing those vulnerabilities together, which means because of those mediums, which you haven't patched because they're not high, but actually through a penetration test that's identified that those mediums could have been brought together and we've been able to exfiltrate your data. So it's giving that business impact and that overall holistic view um, definitely focused on risk that senior leaders get buy-in. And that's what we sort of do in terms of um, making them aware. You know, the, the services that we provide, you know, we're there to try and take a business of all sizes um, and build an appropriate program um, for them around risk. Um, digital X-ray, you know, we offer very similar services to, to Bulletproof. We're all there to try and help businesses ultimately stay secure. And we're all there to try and, um, you know, improve the betterment of, of, a, of an organisation to make sure that their awareness improved and, in, in essence, that they're not going to fall victim to cybercrime. And we do that through, you know, a, a number of ways we we. We offer a number of services that, that are broad across the spectrum. So through offensive security, defensive security and, and compliance. So, you know, we, we, we really can tailor um, to a business's need. But a lot of businesses don't understand what they want and they want the handholding and they want to be taken on that journey. And depending where they're starting, you know, we can we can build a bespoke solution for them. I think that that, that is the, the peace of mind, having a, organizations like you know, say digital x-ray and bulletproof that you can you can call on and seek that professional support and guidance i think it's and probably more so than ever you know i think it is i actually firstly put would put cyber security perhaps on the, the, the number one on a risk register uh, you know the it, the potential loss of um, of, of revenue the disruption to business the loss of data the reputational damage the just you know the whole impact of cyber is significant and i think there's a real danger for me that you know whether people have got cyber essentials or they've got you know some sort of insurance in place you're looking at prevention rather than cure you know being secure as best you can to avoid a situation is is a better place to be so i, I really appreciate uh, rick and ollie for your contribution for this particular session with our podcast, I think you've provided some great insight. I think you've helped also for listeners to understand, you know, the role of that external support, the real threat. And so thank you. In concluding, can I ask both of you what you feel businesses should do next? What actions should businesses now take in light of the, the discussion we've had on in this session? Um, Rick, can I start with you? Yeah, I think mean, businesses need to be aware that, you know, potentially 
Um, you know, not just because of the incident that's happening between Russia and Ukraine. You know, this is something that is going on anyway. Um, that they do uh, do the basics. You know, cybersecurity doesn't have to be complicated. It, it, there, there is elements of it that are very complicated, but it doesn't have to be complicated. And you know, quite often, you know, they can reduce their impact by up to eighty percent of known cyber attacks by making sure they've got correct patch management making sure that they have some sort of risk register and they're identifying what their key assets are and, and how they're sharing them, making sure that they've got you know, good business continuity and disaster recovery plans. So in case something happened, they've you know, got out-of-band communication, they know how to secure the assets and they know how to continue business. Obviously, that's been tested very well through COVID. And yeah, and, and ultimately taking responsibility for their data um, and we can obviously support in, in, in all of that. Thank you. Ollie, um, what, what would you, your advice and, and guidance to businesses in terms of what they should do now, next steps? Yeah, I think from my perspective, having done this for a long time, cybersecurity, it's full of jargon. It's full of stuff that makes it feel a lot more complicated than it needs to be. And this is why we often, you know, in the cybersecurity industry, pull our hair out because we're saying, look, it's just the basics. We're not asking you to become, you know, rocket scientists. Uh, we're, we're sort of asking you to look at your business from a lens of somebody who might want to target you and what might they what might they benefit from your business. And like I say, taking that blinkered approach that there's nothing of interest isn't isn't going to work anymore because the attackers are looking to to monetize. Um, I read some some article the other day actually that suggested that you know back in the in the early 90s the hacking was all about fun you know learning and and then there was the you know the, the following um years that sort of moved into sort of more of a hacktivism type approach and now in this current era it's about making money and so if you think about how they can what are the methods in which they can make money from your business it's things like ransomware it's things like cryptocurrency mining and those things you know, really come down to getting access to something that's going to disrupt your business. So to take all the jargon out of it, how would they get there? You know, it's it's your people, you know, because we talk about this fishing, you know, it's, it's you know, playing on the fact that people don't understand the risk. And again, it sort of comes down to doing things like training. And also, I, I often talk about this, uh, you know, in, in, in you know, to, with, with businesses, which is that it make it really difficult for people to make bad decisions. You know, the, the more you, you know, you don't want to put things in their way so they can't do their job. But, you know, if you, if, you do en- if you do enough to make it very simple for them to not make mistakes, you know, through, you know, like fishing is a great example. You know, if you say to people, like, you don't have to be like, overly paranoid, but just think, what's the outcome of this? Why would somebody be asking me to do this thing? What, what could happen? That will lead you in the, in the right direction to what you need to do to protect yourself against it. Um, but the obvious things like you know, using things like two-factor authentication, and um, we're starting to get to use it more and more, especially in our banking app. So your users are going to be more used to it. Um, why, you know, why not ask them to use that to protect your data? Make them question a few of these obvious emails that are coming through that, that seem to be potentially malicious and just ask a question around that. Um, and then also uh, make sure that they think about, you know, patching. You know, I know it's disruptive. You know, you suddenly get a pop-up in your, your laptop and it says you should, you know, reboot your machine because we need to do an update. And you think, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll, I'll snooze that. But the reality is if you if you do that, then you're just adding more and more risk. And especially if you've got remote working and all those sorts of things, you need to you need to do something about that. So I think it's, you know, like I say, it, it does really come back to, to, to just thinking about getting those basics in place because it is just going to, 
point push the problem in the right direction and like we've always said you know we understand your businesses aren't going to be aren't going to um want to be security experts but that's why security companies are out there you know we're going to say this right rick and i are both going to sit here and say you need to monitor stuff because that's our business that's what we do but i think if you strip it all back we're, we're trying to provide people with the expertise the people the technology the the, the support and the processes and um, because we know how to do it um, so why not sort of outsource that to somebody that can understand it and do it for you and take the pain away? It just makes good business sense, I think. Um, and yeah, and that's an important point, Ali, as well. I think it's, you know, a lot of the, I mean, I know your background and my background, we've actually, we've been doing this ourselves for a long time before we set up our own businesses. You know, we've got a passion for it and, um, and, and we want to share that passion and ultimately make other businesses secure. Thank you. Um, and, and I think that, you know, thank you both of you for joining me for this, this episode. Um, I think for the insight uh, and, and knowledge you've got, but also that, that sound advice that you're giving businesses in light of the current situation, but actually the current situation is probably just an amplified situation. And it's the fact that actually all businesses should be concerned about their cybersecurity. Uh, so thank you very much for joining me. If having listened to this session, you would like further information or guidance on cybersecurity, please do visit digitalxraid.com or bulletproof.co.uk. If you have any specific concerns or questions, having listened to this podcast, please do email info at streetsweb.co.uk or visit streetsweb.co.uk. Thank you also to you for listening, and we look forward to catching up with you again in future sessions.